Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Oh, Brian, what have you done now? This is Back to the Future, the podcast. Presented by the Brad Doyle Show. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, they're going to see some serious shit. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? 1.21 gigawatts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast on the entire internet looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I am Brad Gilmore, and I am joined by my friends in time. First off, he resides in Orlando, Florida. He is a Conor McGregor fan, which is understandable. I am, too. It doesn't have to do with his ethnicity, his nationality. Uh, he is David G. Mitchell. What's going on, Dave? Brad, Norm, what is happening, my brothers? I'm rushing around in my invisible DeLorean, getting things done, ready to rock for this wonderful podcast to bring another episode to our beautiful pinheads out there. There we go. Yeah, the pinheads. The pinheads is what we call our fans, but a pinhead is not our next co-host. He comes from the mean streets of State College, PA. Give it up for DJ Normie Norm, Norman Binford. What's going on, Norm? Well, good evening, Brad. Good evening, David. It's a balmy evening here in Pennsylvania, and I am excited to talk about the last of the deleted scenes from the trilogy from part two and part three of our favorite movies. I am excited too. Can, can we stop though to, to say one thing first? First of all, thank you to everyone who supported the podcast this uh, for this season two so far. Hope you've enjoyed it. I, I've enjoyed doing it, and I, I just want to say what what an amazing uh, what an amazing thing to have a, a podcast. What an amazing vehicle to have. Um, it, it's something that brought the three of us together. One cause, you know, Back to the Future brought us together. And all three of us are here for you know a singular reason, but it's just incredible that you know we have this technology with the internet. I've never met either one of you, but I feel like I know you because we bonded over these movies. So uh, I just want to say that at the beginning, thank you to all the pinheads. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at bttf the podcast. That's the initials of Back to the Future, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on there, or you can check out our episodes at backtothefuturepod.com. We're also on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and on iTunes. I had to drop that knowledge on them, guys. But we're getting ready to do the good cut, bad cut scenes um, from Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3. We did this for Part 1. We had a lot of fun. And I think our general consensus, Norm, was that we agreed with all the cuts 
that were made by the Bobs or by Bob Zemeckis in, in the first movie. Am I right about that? Yes, we did. Uh, there were, I'm looking back on my notes, I want to say there were one or two that I was thinking may have been a bad cut, but I was uh, overruled and I go with majority rule. And I believe <laughs> as of right now, we have no bad cuts on record, but I'm just going to go ahead and spoil things. I believe that may change. I, I think I think you're right on this one. I think this is going to be a controversial episode of Good Cut or, or edition of Good Cut, Bad Cut here on Back to the Future, the podcast. So without further ado, Norm, why don't you kick us off with our very first scene? Okay, well, our first cut scene from Back to the Future 2 on the DVD extra is entitled Old Terry and Old Biff. It is... It takes place in 2015, not our 2015, but that 2015, and it's a little bit of exposition between Old Biff and Old Terry, um, and really, mostly what they talk about is Biff stiffed Terry on the job of cleaning all of the manure out of his car, and Biff didn't want to bring up the manure. He was just uh, mentioning that his car broke down. But old Terry calls him out on it and that he spent a lot of time and effort cleaning the entire car full of manure and Biff never paid him. Um, this was a very, very interesting scene, but it did not do a whole lot to move the story forward. So I'm going to go ahead and call this a good cut. Okay, yeah, good cut. I agree. It didn't really move anything forward. Now, as a fan of Back to the Future, when you look back at these scenes, you're like, oh, man, that's cool. I got to see the evolution of these people's relationship in, in 2015, and, and they're reminiscing on a moment that I saw in 1955. So, I mean, as a fan, like as a fan like we are, as a pinhead, if you will, it's definitely interesting to see. But, I mean, I think it's a good cut. It wasn't needed in the movie. Um, it didn't further the story, like you said. So I agree with Norm. Good cut. David, what are you thinking, man? Uh, first of all, on a, on a side note, just isn't it like absolutely crazy that we're, you know, September of 2015, you know, we're in, we're, we're talking about the, the time that of the movies we're in that time right now. It's just, it's just kind of mind boggling to think about, but anyway, um, yeah, going back to my notes, I mean, it's cool to see the the foreshadow of young Biff and Terry, but it, it isn't really needed as when the scene does happen later, old Biff is there to explain what happens. So it's uh, pretty much a good cut. Yeah, I, I agree. It wasn't needed. Norm, why don't you tell us what we got next? What we have on deck next is an, an, an extended version of the dad's home scene where Marty arrives home from work. And the extended version of the scene runs about 90 seconds long. It's not that much longer than what made its way into the film. Uh, most notably, they spend a little more time talking about the multi-screen TV. But it's, it's a good cut, because the scene was definitely better off without the extra dialogue that they removed from the film. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree. I think it's a good cut. Now, now you talk about the uh, the, the multi-screen. You know, one of one of these Zemeckis predictions or, or one of the Back to the Future predictions that actually kind of came true with picture in picture. You know what I mean? I mean, so it was actually something that happened. We got that way before 2015. And I always found that the picture in picture function 
on televisions is the most useless thing that's ever been invented because <laughs> uh, you can't utilize it at all. You, you're watching the other one. It doesn't have sound. You see the big one. You don't even know what's going on. Uh, I do love the dad's home scene. I love when he comes on. Dad's home. Lord of the manor. Dad's home. Dad's home. King of the castle, you know. Dad's home. I mean, I've always loved that scene, but I don't think it was uh, necessary to extend it by any means. So without any more rambling from me, I say uh, good cut. David? Yeah, and that scene, uh, there's a part where it goes into, like, lithium mode on. Uh, I was always wondering what that is. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing really of note here um, except um, Marty saying, you know, in my day, if I wanted to watch two shows at once, I needed to put two TVs together. So it's a very good cut, but I do think they could have left that last line in as a little bit of a chuckle. But uh, it's not a big deal either, you know? Yeah, not a big deal at all. Um, Norm, I know this next scene. Oh, no, this isn't the next scene. But, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us what we got next. Now, I say what we got. That might be a southern thing because you say the scene we have next. So I'm sorry about my, my southern uh, uh, linguistics. But why don't, go ahead, Norm. What do you got next? Okay, well, before we jump to that next scene, the only thing I would like to point out that I think may resonate with both of you and perhaps a few of our listeners out there is picture in picture did serve a purpose at a time. I bought with my first bonus from my first professional job a picture-in-picture television specifically for the Monday Night Wars so I could flip back and forth between Nitro and Raw on Monday nights. So maybe not that useless. Do you know what, David? I mean, you know what, Norm, what you just did to me? My mind just exploded here in Houston, Texas. (laughs) I never even thought back in the day of utilizing the picture-in-picture for the Monday Night War. What a fascinating idea. Uh, You know what? I got to give – David, why don't we give this man a round of applause? Because that's just incredible that I never – no one – you might be the only person to think of that. You are a genius, Normie Norm. You flatter. Was that technology even like very uh, prevalent or any good, you know, picture-in-picture back then because they were the whole big – you know, big fat wide TVs, you know, it wasn't really flat screens that back then, you know? Yeah, but still, to be able to flip between Raw and Nitro, and I know we're diverting off the course, but it's fine. Um, but to, to be able to flip and see what's going on on Raw and Nitro at the same time, nor, I mean, all credit due to you. But why don't, why don't we just go ahead and let's get into the next scene while I ruminate on why I never did that before. Go ahead. Uh, The next scene is an extended cut of Jennifer fainting when she sees her older self in the McFly household. And it's only about 15 seconds, and they really didn't lose anything in the cut. Although, it's interesting to watch the unfinished special effects on the DVD. It's very jarring to see them jump between a finished scene and an unfinished scene, which is very raw and... Obviously untouched, but uh, it's definitely a good cut if I've not made that clear yet. No, yeah, I mean, definitely a good cut, uh, not needed. I mean, there's a reason why these little extended scenes, um, and I know we have one more extended scene to get to. I know these extended scenes, 
they're 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 cut for they're cut down for for a specific reason because it wasn't necessary to have that other fifteen seconds. It wasn't necessary to see the ba- banter between Marty and Marty Jr. Even though they had the good line about I had to put two television sets together, these things weren't necessary. They didn't play a part. They didn't drop a seed for the rest of the story to grow out of. So yeah, I mean I agree with you, Norm. Uh, good cut, David. What do you think? The only one thing I would say. Which any has has any relevance is um, I think there's a part in it where it says something like "Mom's tranked again," and oh, yeah. earlier on, earlier on when the cops find Jennifer in the alley and they say oh, "Back to Hilldale full of tranks, lobos, and zip heads," you know, so it might have been a nice little connection to that futuristic word, you know, maybe another word for drunks or whatever, you know, maybe Jennifer turns into a bit of a a drunk, you know, like um, Lorraine did back in the original 1985, but. Again, it's it's not a major deal. You know, it's, you, you didn't miss it at all. Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring up the Trank thing because I know we talked off air about this uh, a, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about Trank and what it meant. Um, I definitely think that it's some kind of colloquialism of, of like the 2015, you know, generation. This is how we speak. You know, right now, you know, zip heads and, and Trank, we're not too far with that with words like uh, uh, twerk and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, I mean they, they also kind of, called it back then too but i do think it's interesting you bring up lorraine being a drunk and now uh jennifer is it's another one of those things like they did in the first movie where we saw like uh governor you know red thomas progress is his middle name or mayor you know progress is his middle name and then goldie wilson used the same slogan and it was kind of show that the more things change the more they stay the same so maybe it was the exact uh maybe it was the exact kind of uh parallel between the two showing us that jennifer is still you know um jennifer is like lorraine was back in the uh 1985 proper from the first film so you know that was a great pull david yeah great stuff um norm what's the scene we got next uh the scene we have next is titled old biff vanishes and in this scene doc and marty recover the time machine from uh, from old Biff, who stole it to deliver the sports almanac to young Biff, and they take the time machine back. Old Biff, being stranded in a non-native timeline, um, cries out in agony and vanishes out of existence. And I think this was probably the one cut that I would have to call the, the worst cut of the whole trilogy. Because it, it really added a degree of seriousness and pathos to the story. And, you know, there was the threat of Marty disappearing in part one, but here we see it actually happen. And it it just reinforces that, that Doc and Marty are, they're toying with the forces of nature at this point. And old Biff kind of sticks his toe in the pool for young Biff's benefit, and he pays with his own life. And really, the existence of his entire timeline. So I... I'm going to have to go on record with this is a really, really bad cut. Probably the worst cut of the trilogy. Uh, It was only a 30-second scene, and I really, really think it just added a lot of color and, uh, well, just importance to the events of the movie. You know, Norm, I couldn't agree with you more. This was one of the scenes to where when I got the – I think the scene was first on the – 20th anniversary DVDs, which I which I had um, before the Blu-rays came out, obviously, and um, 
I remember this. And I remember, you know, it sees kind of the DeLorean kind of come back in frame and it's kind of like hopping, kind of like a bad driver was driving it. And then you see old Biff get out and he breaks his cane on his way out and it like hits, hits him in the ribs. And you see this guy's in some bad shape. Like this guy's rough. Like he looks rough. He looks like he's sweating. His hair is all disheveled, um, which is something that you'll never see happen to me. And um, anyway, you know, and then he, then he just fades away. He just disappears. And you're like, whoa. Whoa, I mean, okay, so these stakes that they set in the first movie, that if you change something in the past, it affects your future. When we saw Marty vanishing, we saw his sister and his brother Dave and, and all that, we saw him vanishing from the photograph. You're like, oh man, so this, this, this is heavy, if you will. And then when you see him actually uh, disappear, you're like, wow, this is a real thing. This actually happens. This man is no longer in existence. Because he went back to the past and changed something, and he 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 just pretty much ruined his future, uh, because he's not even in the future. He disappears as soon as he gets back. I mean, what a powerful scene! Um, it was terrible to cut this thing out. To me, I think this what because you know we've talked about part two being the darkest of, of the trilogy, and uh, I mean this would definitely add to that layer of darkness. This was one of those things to where. You should have left this in and really have it resonate with the viewing audience of this time travel stuff isn't a joke. There's real, you know, there's real consequences. You know, I, I know I'm going on, but yeah, I think this is a bad cut. Should have left it in the movie. David G. Mitchell, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> well, this is what we're here to do, right? Discuss and debate. And if we all agreed, it'd be a little bit boring. So respectfully, I have to disagree with you both. Oh. Now, we did talk about this before. Oh, man. Um, I'm not going to get into it too much, but I will say this. Um, there was a reason it was cut, and that's the director's vision. And let me give you my little back thoughts on it. Now, I do see what you're both saying in regarding um, changing the past, and that affects your future. However, if you go back to part one, that, the, the reasoning for those actions, you know, when Marty interfered with his mother and father meeting, there was consequences to that, and it was clearly explained that if you mess with the uh, the past, it'll affect your future. However, in part two, that wasn't really explained too well, and that's partly the reason why it was cut. A lot of people saw this scene in test screens, I believe, um, and they said, um, what the hell is happening here? Why is he disappearing? It wasn't specifically said, oh, by the way, Biff went to the past, he became tyrannical. He became this multimillionaire, and uh, Lorraine probably shot him. It's not really to explain too much in detail, so I just think for the general consensus, the general population, the general movie-going population, this wouldn't make too much sense, and that's why it's that's why it was cut. I mean, to us fanatical people who are know every nook and cranny of the movies, uh, you might think it's a bad cut, but me personally, and you know, I think for the general consensus, a lot of the people wouldn't really get what's going on, you know. Well, you know, I mean, David G. Mitchell, you're a very intelligent man, but I mean, I just have to disagree. I mean, Norm, do you want to say anything before before I state my case? Do you have anything you want to say back to David? Um. Well, I would say you you don't write Back to the Future two for people who haven't seen Back to the Future one, and I think a better way to deal with that would have been to kind of reiterate that point that they brought from part one instead of just deleting what what I think is a really, really powerful and really impactful scene. 
But we can always agree, yeah. agree or disagree as gentlemen here on Back to the Future, the podcast. Well, I mean, we can disagree as as, as gentlemen, and, and, and gentlemen we are, and we carry ourselves as such. But I do have to say to, to David G. Mitchell, um, I mean, this scene, to me, the reason why it should have been left in is because, one, I mean, <clears throat> the fact that you brought up, like, why did he disappear? We don't know. And we never really get a definitive answer because it, the scene wasn't left in the movie, so they didn't have to resolve that thread. But we never know why he disappeared. The fact that you can leave that in and then you go back to the alternate 1985 and you see that this man you know, uh, was, was a tyrannical leader or whatever, multimillionaire or however you describe it. And you see, okay, this man is not a nice guy. And it wasn't the Biff of the original Biff in 1985 who was just a jerk, right? The original Biff was just a jerk. This alternate 1985 Biff was a was just a madman who killed George McFly, right? I mean, he he's abusing Lorraine. We see him force her to get surgery, plastic surgeries. You know, he's sending her kids off to boarding school. We see that that money corrupted this man, and he became an evil presence, an evil person, um, who's just you know just a you know just terrible for terrible sake. And and you see that later. So when you see this man disappear in 2015 as old Biff, you're like, what the hell did he do? To 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 end his life early, you know, and and what did he do in the past that changed it, you know, for the future? And it leaves it to the audience to interpret when they see him in that alternate 1985 of, oh, this guy's an a hole. That's you know, eventually somebody did what uh, one of his relatives attempts to do to Doc in the third movie. Somebody shot this man in the back because he they had it out for him because he wronged so many people. I think that even even without, you know, throw away it 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 puts the consequences of time travel it fresh in our mind. Throw that away. It it gives us so much more depth to the character of Biff without really doing much. Without saying a word, we understand where this man where this man's past is before we see it. And I'm I'm going to get off my soapbox here, but I just think it was a really bad cut. Norm, let, let's move on. Actually, sorry, I, guys. Let me just put it to you, David. Please let me jump, put this to jump you in. Very quick. Very okay. Go very, ahead, David. Very quickly, before, just on on that last scene. Okay, I know when you both and myself too saw Back to the Future Part Two for the first time, we were fairly young. However, if you saw this movie for the first time today and you didn't know about this deleted scene, you didn't notice this deleted scene existed, would you leave the theater or after seeing it for the first time saying, I like that film, but there was something missing. That scene where we find out what happened to Biff, uh, you know, if this, if you didn't know the scene existed, would it, would it be still a, a bad cut? You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, the only reason you're saying it's a bad cut is because you've seen it. But if you didn't know it existed... You wouldn't be – we wouldn't be talking about this. You know what I mean? Well, uh, yeah. I mean maybe so, but the fact is the scene does exist, and, and I think that's the, the beauty of this podcast is now we can kind of put it in uh, – put the puzzle piece with the rest of the jigsaw and see how it fit in and if we liked it or not. I mean that's that's the point of the good cut, bad cut. But I understand where you're coming from, David, 100 percent. You know, I just happen I guess to what think – saying... Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is um, the reason – that scene isn't in the movie is not 
because you like part two. Like you wouldn't say, I don't like part two because they didn't have that scene in. You know what I mean? That's, it's not a reason you're, you're not going to be saying that. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I understand. No, I understand. So, uh, Norm, let's get into the next scene. Well, actually, Brad, if you don't mind, I'm not ready to put old Biff in the ground just yet because as we're sitting okay, here, no, go right ahead. Go right as, ahead. As we're sitting here talking about this, I had a thought and honestly, for as much as I have pondered this scene for several years, this is a completely new thought that I had this evening. Uh, Perhaps that scene was removed from the movie. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm still not changing my vote. I still say bad cut. But essentially, if you show old Biff vanish from the future, you give away the end of the movie. Marty and Doc succeed. Because if that question is left open, should not old Biff be allowed to operate out of time? like Marty did in Back to the Future 1 and Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3, the second that you see old Biff fade away from existence, that indicates that Doc and Marty are successful in getting back the almanac. So maybe, maybe that was part of the thought process when they decided to remove that scene. Maybe not, but I I certainly think it merits a little discussion. You know... You know, you might be right, um, but in the same sense of if Marty and, and Doc succeeded, um, or when they succeeded, wouldn't old Biff still be alive in 2015 because things were just as they were after the almanac was destroyed? What do you think, Norm? Uh, yes, but probably not that old Biff. Are you saying an alternate old Biff? Yes, and, and, and we're, we're, we're digging a little deep here now, but uh, the more I think about it, it, really, if that scene is still in the movie, you know Marty and Doc get the sports almanac. And again, we're, we're, at least me, maybe I'm reading just a little too much into this, but I think you can build a case that if you were kind of laying all of those scenes out, and, you know, like they did in Pulp Fiction, you never know where you are, and you're here, you're there, you're kind of jumping back and forth in time. But old Biff should die immediately after the sports almanac is burned in 1955. And really, not yeah. a moment before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, we're definitely jumping down the rabbit hole, and uh, this actually might be a paradox, if you will, what we're discussing here. But um, I think we could go back and forth on this on this scene all day. But but I think the fact that we're able to have such a, a spirited conversation about this scene lets lets us know that this scene was pretty impactful either way. You either are really for it being in the movie, or or like David, you're very against this this scene. Um, but either way, this you, you didn't feel mediocre. You know, you didn't feel uh, in the middle about this scene at all. Um, and I and I think that's a testament to to what this scene could have been in the movie, and what it says that it was left out. Uh, but with that being said, I think we do need to move on. Let's get to the next scene, Norm. What do you got? Okay, up next we have a thirty second clip of Marty staring at his burnt out high school, and it's. 
pretty obvious that they decided to cut this early because it's a really, really raw, unfinished scene. The The special effects haven't been applied, and it, it just looks like Marty staring at a really, really bad, unfinished set. And uh, it was a good cut. It didn't do anything to move the story forward. We've already seen Marty wandering around a completely devastated and post-apocalyptic Hill Valley. So this was easily a good cut. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't need to see this. I mean, when Strickland, when Marty's on Strickland's porch and Strickland's like, the school burned down three years ago or whatever it was, um, you know, I think that was, I mean, that was good enough for me. I didn't need to see Hill Valley High burned to, to the ground or whatever. Um, I think good cut, not needed in the movie. Um, David, what do you think? Yep, uh, Bob saved themselves a couple of uh, thousand bucks by uh, having Strickland say the line about the skill burn announced six years ago so they wouldn't have to finish the special effects. Out. Yep, simple, good cut. <laughs> so they didn't have to cut that check to ILM. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Norm, okay, what's our next scene? Uh, up next, we have the very last deleted scene from Back to the Future 2, and it's a scene when Marty first arrives in... Biff's 2015, and he encounters his brother Dave on the steps of the Paradise Palace. And Dave is very, very drunk, and the scene runs almost two minutes long, and Dave basically explains the lay of the land to Marty. Uh, It's the first mention of George McFly being dead, but really, this was just a really, really drawn-out expositional scene that... uh, it just didn't work. And not to say that the actors weren't doing their best, because they certainly were, but there was just too much. It was, hey, pay attention, everybody. We're going to tell you everything that's going on in this timeline. Here's the plot, here's the plot, here's the plot, and here's another 90 seconds of plot. And it was definitely a good cut, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. Now, one of the things that Back to the Future trilogy does so well is giving us these expositional scenes, laying down, you know, the rules and, and where we are, where we're going, what has happened. They're very great at that. I mean, look at the opening scene from the first film where there's no dialogue, just clocks going on, and there's just the scene that continues, and it sets up almost the entire movie off this opening scene. So they're great at those kind of scenes. This one, though, I think they attempted to give us a lot of exposition and, and you know, lay down the law. I just don't think that it clicked. I don't think that it hit. I don't think it was necessary. We already kind of knew where this was going. We didn't need Dave to kind of, you know, slide in and say, hey, by the way, let me catch the audience up. You know what I mean? So I I, I definitely think this was a good cut. I mean, not needed. David, what do you think? I did like this scene. Um, It's nice to see what happened to Dave and for him to get some more screen time. Um, Some nice comedic acting by himself and a a callback to a signature line about Marty sleeping in your clothes again. But uh, I think it could have been left in, but the film doesn't suffer too much without it. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I don't don't lose an ounce of sleep um, that this scene was cut, you know, unlike the, the old Biff vanishing. Anyway, we're off of that. We're off of that. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Norm, what's our next scene? Well, we're moving on to back to the future part three. And this next scene, wait, wait, hold on. I got, hold on. All my notes. I I have one here from still from part two. Well, you know what? I've got two more here. uh, Allow me to, uh, to go through this one. If you don't mind, Norm. Oh, you, you are correct. I, I was misreading my, uh, 
horribly, horribly scrawled on notes. My apologies. So to you, Brad. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Doc, after seeing himself in the courthouse, meets Peabody and a policeman near the Lion Estates billboard where the DeLorean is hidden. Now, it's marked on here that this scene was never released. Norm, what, what are your thoughts on this scene? Well, really, there, there are only a few still photos of this scene being shot. Um, I found it on YouTube, and we, we can probably get the YouTube link for people who want to find it, but it is... Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Please, thank you. It was just mm -hmm. a couple still shots from the scene, and then the words that were put together for the Back to the Future novelization. And it was really kind of uh, dragged out, and I think the only purpose of the scene was to establish that even though Marty had been sent back to the future already, that there was still a DeLorean in 1955. And I may be wrong, because to be perfectly honest, the, the whole scene is just a little bit confusing. And this is coming from a guy who's seen this movie dozens of times. So, knowing what I know, I'm going to have to say, yes, this was probably a good cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I wasn't really sure when I watched that YouTube link. I wasn't really sure what was even going on, to be honest with you. Um, I, was try yeah, I was following along and trying to place it, you know, in the timeline, if you will, um, literally and, you know, within the movie. Um, so I, I didn't really get it. You know, I didn't get, like, why it was needed. And I guess that's my thing with a lot of these cut scenes is – and I guess that's the reason they're on the cutting room floor is I, did, I didn't understand why they were necessary. Like, why did you need to put this in the movie? Why was this even written into the film? And I think this is one of those for me. Uh, David, what do you think? Now, let me uh, have a little rant about this. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the um, the part of the movie in, where the scene is, was supposed to take place is uh, obviously before Marty goes back because, um, as I'm going to point out later, um, Marty hadn't gone back to the future yet. So this scene I only found out about recently, and I wish they had filmed it because I always, always wondered why the time circuits malfunctioned to send Doc back to 1885, but I never really thought much about it. Now, having found out the reason is that Peabody shoots it, it makes total sense why the time uh, time circuits would malfunction and it would send them back. So I do really wish they could have filmed this, even to see it as a deleted scene, and it makes more sense having... Because you, you just uh, see the time circuits malfunction and you're like, okay, why the hell are they malfunctioning, you know? But you never really pay too much attention to it, but... Um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see, I think. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I thought about that too, but I kind of just chalked it up to, um, you know, Doc kind of being the, the inventor that kind of scrapped it together. So I just thought there was like some faulty wiring and, you know, he had a, a couple short circuits in his bionic implants. Um, but, uh, Norm, <laughs> now I know we have one more from, from, from part two, right? Let's get to that one before we get to part three. I think that's the – is it this the pizza scene? Is this what we're talking about? That's it. Oh, did I skip over the pizza scene? Right. I think we skipped the yeah. pizza scene. We did. My apologies. I will have to call back to my notes real quickly. Uh, the pizza scene – No problem at all. It's an extended version of the family sitting around the table and having dinner. And I'm – sorry. Just had to grab my notes real quick. And, um, no problem at all, man. What, what, 
I found to be most interesting about this scene actually has little to do with the scene itself. This was another unfinished scene, so there's lots of raw special effects, and you can see where they were kind of splitting the screen to accommodate the multiple characters who were being played by Michael J. Fox. Um, really, the only thing about this scene that is worth retaining, but not worthy enough to keep the scene in the movie, is just how unpleasant the interaction between Marty and his family is. And his kids are just really detached from him. And much like the, oh, she's tranked again, it kind of sets up, oh, hey, history is repeating itself for the McFly family. But again, this was a 90-second scene as opposed to the shorter one that ended up in the film. And so I will call this a good cut. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the only thing that the scene did is what you alluded to with the more things change, the more they say the same theme, which is what they weaved kind of through the whole trilogy, um, which is a true fact, you know, true statement. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great cut. Good cut. Great cut. Awesome cut. Fantastic cut. David, do you agree? Come on. Of course I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing really going on here except just the the use of the technology showing it off so to speak and that's allowed you know but the dialogue here is pretty bad it's pretty awful it's just real generic no nothing to do with the story just how was your day oh the kids or you know just really really bad dialogue so very good cut in the sense that they shortened it down and left it to as, as minimal as possible for just uh just to show off what was needed you know yeah no i, I definitely agree now we are ready For the final scene of today's discussion, and it comes from part three, Back to the Future part three. I know we're early. We're only in season two, but since there's only one scene in Back to the Future part three, we weren't going to spend a whole episode in season three discussing it. So, Norm, why don't you lay the foundation for this final scene? Now, this last deleted scene, it actually does not appear on my copy of the Blu-rays. I don't know if it's on copies that you guys have, DVD or different versions, but this is uh, Mad Dog Tannen meeting Sheriff, Deputy Strickland, Lawman Strickland, outside of town and uh, advising him that he should not be going back into town because bad things are afoot. And uh, Strickland agrees, turns around to ride away with his son, and uh, Buford shoots him in the back, uh, killing him not instantly. Unfortunately, this scene might have been a little better had he been killed instantly because the scene drags on just long enough for them to deliver a really, really flat joke with Strickland talking to his son about discipline. And the, the scene uh, was just kind of a stinker. It was not a well-dialogued scene, and not only that, but if this had stayed in, it would be probably the most violent scene in the whole trilogy, and it's just kind of out of flavor with how everything else is treated. So I will go ahead and call this a good cut. You know, uh, right you are, Norm. Out of flavor is is the best way to describe this scene. Now, this scene was on my 25th anniversary edition of the Blu-rays, I did see this on on my uh, copy of the DVDs or the Blu-rays. 
I remember watching this. Now, this is the only deleted scene from Back to the Future Part 3. So before I say anything about this scene, I do want to say, what does that mean for the whole movie? That's a testament to that film. If they only had one scene that was cut out of the whole thing. For these last two films, we just went through like 20 scenes that they cut out. Or more. It could be more. This one, I don't know why it was so concise. But... um. This this script must have been one of the tightest scripts ever written in Hollywood to only have one scene deleted out of it or cut out of it. Um, I think that's kind of a testament to that third film. And maybe, for some reason, that might play to people's affinity for that third film, which we'll get to uh, in season three. But I do want to say this is a great cut. I remember watching this, and it's kind of like in the daylight too. It wasn't even like a nighttime scene. It was in the daylight, in the, a bunch of trees around, very woodsy, and um, and then you see you know Biff kill Strickland, and then you know they talk. He's talking to his son. Remember that word, you know, discipline. Kind of what he said in the movie, anyway. Um, terrible scene. Uh, maybe the worst scene that we've gone over over these past two episodes of Good Cut, Bad Cut here on the show. This is just a bad, 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 bad scene. But it was a great, great, great cut. David, what do you think? Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. It's a great, excellent point you bring up about the uh, the consistency and the excellency of the uh, the script for part three. But of course, I have to agree with my pal Bob Z here and say, although this does explain why it's the deputy who arrests Buford at the end of the movie, I am very, very glad this was cooked because it's very, very dark. And as Bob Gale said, if this was left in the movie, you would want to see Buford get killed. And get his comeuppance. But this was cut. And we're happy to see Buford get to uh, get knocked out, I should say. And keep the running gag of the minor thing going. And it's interesting to hear Marshall instill discipline in his long family lineage. Um, <laughs> which would foreshadow Principal Strickland. But it's a very, very good cut. Yeah, no, great, great, great cut. Well, guys, that does it for this edition of Good Cut, Bad Cut here on Back to the Future, the podcast. And as much fun as we've had doing these two episodes, this is actually our last good cut, bad cut. So I'm kind of sad. I enjoyed this kind of roundtable discussion of these shows. But don't fear. We will be back next week with a brand new episode of Back to the Future, the podcast. Continue to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Give us as many stars as you think we deserve. But we appreciate you leaving a review. It helps the algorithm. It helps more people like you, the pinheads, figure out how to find Back to the Future, the podcast. So we really appreciate your support. Uh, make sure you tweet us your opinions at BTTF, the podcast on Twitter. Or you can email us at BTTFpodcast at gmail.com. We would be happy to read any of your thoughts, reviews, uh, if you think one of us sucks, if you think that I'm a terrible host, let me know, and I will hand the reins over to DJ Normie Norm. Norm, do you have anything you want to say to the people before we wrap this one up? Well, just checking out. Number one, if people think I'm terrible on the podcast, I don't want to hear about it. My self-esteem has taken a long <laughs> <laughs> So keep, keep those thoughts to yourself, general listening audience. And uh, no, once again, it's always a pleasure to get on the horn with you too. Uh, look us up on social media, and should anybody want to message me directly, look me up on Facebook, uh, Norman Benford, B-E-N-F-O-R-D, not Benford like Tim the Tool Time Taylor. 
Oh, they, Benford Tools. Yeah, there you go. That was a deep cut you just pulled, Norm. Um, David G. Mitchell, let us know where we can find you online. Yeah, just to reiterate again, um, look us up on social media. Myself, Mitch Van Halen, on Instagram and Twitter. Shoot us uh, some questions, thoughts, uh, anything you like. Tell us we're shit, whatever you want. Um, at BTTF Podcast 2. Um, you know, just... Um, Subscribe, rate us. We want to get this out there. We want to be the biggest thing going, and we want to do more of these uh, episodes for you guys. So Yo, let's definitely. do it. Let's, let's keep the ball rolling. Well, until next week, I'm Brad Gilmore. That's Norman Benford and David G. Mitchell. We are your friends in time, and we will see you in the future. Brad Gilmore Show On Demand is meant for entertainment purposes only and does not mean to infringe on any copyrights of Back to the Future, its characters, its audio clips, or its music. Hope to see you again in the future. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.